Welcome to Elite Team Athletics Podcast. I got my guy Tevin in here. I'm your host, Kyle Coglatore, and we have the pleasure of having professional basketball player Jordan Taylor with us today. How's it going, Jordan? Good, man. How you guys doing? Doing good. How you doing in this pandemic? Uh, you know, I'm living. I just cut my beard yesterday. It's been like, I haven't been uh, this baby fair, this, uh, this naked on my face probably in like a year, so trying to get my skincare routines in and everything, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you look like you're back in high school again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take it, take it back. I even got a little baby, little afro cup. You can't see it. <laughs> it's comfy, you know what I'm saying? To, you know, I'm thinning on top, so I'm trying to uh, take this time to add uh, a couple years onto my hair. So, uh, <laughs> Well, let's go a little back in the past. You know, you were Mr. Basketball in Minnesota. You were... Yeah. Pretty damn good senior, averaging yeah. twenty two and three or twenty two point three points, seven point one assists, two time All State, four time All Conference, uh, all time leading scorer at Benilde. Um, I mean, man, you you killed it for a long time. One of your good friends, teammates, Armand Battle. Didn't you guys get a state championship during that time, or did you not? We did. We won did. our seven rebounds too. I was almost a triple double guy. I like that. <laughs> I take pride in. <laughs> No, nah, but uh, yeah, we won one my senior year, and we lost my junior year. We beat St. Thomas my senior year and lost to St. Thomas my junior year. Um, and then, you know, it was crazy. We lost every year I was in high school. We either won the state, which was once, and then well, we lost to the state champion. Okay. So it was, yeah, so we, we, had a, we had a solid year, two, two state title, two state, uh, two state appearances, one state title, and then we did pretty well the other year, so. Who'd you play AAU with back then? Which was year? In middle school or high school? Give me, give me a breakdown of it all. Which, which, which one do you think was the most beneficial for you? And Man, so I had a – well, so I started playing Magic. Back then was when Magic was Magic. I don't know how familiar you guys are with the AAU scene, but, yep. you know, Magic was Magic. John yeah, so I started playing uh, Magic uh, when I was in third grade. I played, I played up, I played fourth grade, and played with like Blake Hoffarber and Alex Rubin, uh, those dudes. Um, and then, matter of fact, that's how I met Andy Burns, who's one of my best friends now to this day. Andy, we played him in state in third grade, and he was killing us. So uh, Bob Kate coach invited Andy to come. Andy was just playing with Benil guys, and he invited Andy to come to Nationals with us. And I think everybody was mad because uh, because they thought Andy was going to take get somebody else's minutes. But, you know, my ass, I didn't really know what was going on. Uh, <laughs> me and Andy became friends because we just decided to share buffalo wings at a restaurant. With nobody <laughs> so, to this day, me and Andy still split buffalo wings from time to time. <laughs> God, I mean, it's kind of a crazy story now. It was a 20-year 20 20 friendship, so, you know, grateful for basketball and things like that. But, um, yeah, so anyway, Magic for third grade. I played Magic until seventh grade, um, and they pretty much asked me to leave the team. They didn't ask me to leave the team because we were, you know, 13 years old, but pretty much told me I wasn't going to be on the team next year. That's when I played one year when Tuck came, and I, uh, I was like 5'1". When I was like 13, I didn't grow. And seventh grade, I came up to like Andy. You, you, you know Andy Kyle. Yeah. Andy. yeah. 
And Andy was like the greatest hooper in AU ever seen back then. Andy was, if there had been rankings like there are now, Andy would have been a top five player in like seventh grade. Oh, yeah. In the country. Oh, yeah. In the country, hands down. And Tuck wouldn't have been, I mean, Tuck would have been up there, not as high as Andy, but I mean, he was big too. But Andy's been like the same height since he was, since we were 13. (laughs) I used to go up to Andy's shoulder. So I did seventh grade magic. I didn't play a ton. Um, You know, those two were really good. And then I left there. They told me, they were like, we're not going to have you back. So eighth grade, I went to play Minnesota Stars. Um, that's when Armand came. Uh, or, so I met Armand on Magic in seventh grade. We both went to the Stars in eighth grade. And I was so mad uh, in eighth grade that they didn't ask me back to Magic. So we ended up playing them in Orlando in a tournament. And we ended up beating them by, like, 15. And I was like, I made a point. Like, I wanted to be talking about it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, eighth grade, ninth grade, I played with the stars and then, um, 10th grade, I ended up going to play with Bully and then 10th and 11th grade, I played with Bully, um, which is actually crazy too. Another kind of coincidental story, you know, Renee came to watch our mom play when we played, uh, Hopkins, I think my sophomore year. Mm -hmm. And again, I was still kind of small. I was like, I was five, seven in ninth grade. And then I grew like two inches in the sophomore year. So I was like five, nine. And uh, he came to watch Armand, and I ended up having a good game. I had, like, 20-some and, like, 10 against Hopkins. And then Renee asked me to play Pulley. So, you know, it's kind of like – and the crazy thing was, was Armand wasn't going to come to Vanilla. We pretty much, you know, got my dad and Ray, Mr. Battle, got Armand. He sent Armand to Vanilla the ninth grade because he wanted to go to Maple Grove or whatever. So, you know, if those things doesn't happen – that doesn't happen – you know, Andy left Benil, went to Minnetonka. If that doesn't happen, you know, Renee doesn't come to watch us play, maybe. And I'll get to play on Pulley, you know, just all the kind of domino effects that happen. So I always kind of pay attention to that stuff. And it um, happens for a reason, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just, it's a, it's a crazy, it's just, it is. Everything happens for a reason. If you look back when you're 30, it's just kind of, it's cool to see how things played out, how things could have played out differently with different decisions. But, you know, you just control what you can control. Um, but no, it was fun. So anyway, so yeah, played pulley tenth in eleventh grade, and then I committed to Wisconsin. Um, I remember, shit, before my junior year even started, I hated the recruiting process. Like I didn't like talking to coaches on the phone. So Coach Guard, who's the coach at Wisconsin now, he was the one who recruited me, and he would call me and talk to me for like an hour at a time before I even like tell me what I need to work on. And I was like, I appreciate it. that's part of the reason I committed to Wisconsin. But I was also be on the phone, like, man, I just want to go fucking shoot. Uh, <laughs> who are you? Like, <laughs> I don't want to talk to you this long. Like, I don't know, you this old white man. Like, talk to me about, like, some swing offense, which, to be honest, I didn't really know what it was, even though we talked about it until I got to campus. And I was like, all right, this will work. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, uh, so, yeah, so I hated the recruiting process, and I, I committed early. Um, and... Yeah, it's just one of those things where, in hindsight, I wish I would have waited, but, you know, like I said, it worked out um, just to see what else would have happened. And I enjoyed my high school career and yeah, went to Wisconsin and played. Uh, obviously, almost left after my junior year and decided Ooh, not to. Hold on. Let's not run into that one yet. I'm going to pause you on that one because I want to talk a little bit more about your recruiting process. Who else was coming That's after you? Why, why, why'd you hate the recruiting process? That's like where everybody's telling you how great you are. We want you to come play for us. You're going to be a star, all these promises. And you didn't, you're like, I don't like this. Yeah. 
it was just you know, especially I'm I'm uncomfortable with that. Like <laughs> it made me uncomfortable. Like I, I still kind of am. I'm more comfortable. Like I said, now I'll say some shit like seven rebounds too. But back then I would have never said nothing like that. Like I would just yeah. held it inside and like whatever. And I probably would have got mad at you for not knowing all everything about me. You would. <laughs> Yeah, I'm surprised you weren't mad at me. I, I was gonna leave it out because I just know you're a point guard. I'm like, damn, you wants <laughs> back then back then though, I wouldn't have said anything. I probably would have just left it and been like, I would have used that against you to try to prove me wrong. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Like I could use it as fuel. But I didn't like the recruiting process. Um, because it was just it seemed so phony to me, you know what I mean? Like it's just like mm-hmm. I know y'all don't. I'm a five eleven, six foot. Point guard, I know there's a thousand of me running around. You're not about to tell me, like, uh, you're so great, you should come here, blah, 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 blah. Like, I, don't, I just didn't buy it. I played against all the dudes that we were getting recruited. I was like, oh, he's really good. It's like, I felt like I was better, baby. And most of the time, I felt like I was better, for sure. And if I didn't, I felt like I could be better. But it still was just like, it just felt so just fake and phony. And, uh, you know, that's why, that's honestly, that's why I chose um Wisconsin because coach guard I'll never forget like I said he talked to me for an hour on the phone when I went on my official visit uh he sat me down and met with like the academic advisors all that shit and you know and I said I said something about going to the NBA and coach guard was just like you know what like only two like one percent of guys go to the NBA from college and like I took that same way I looked at him and I was like I'm, I'm gonna go to the NBA like, but I also was like damn all right he's keeping it real with me He's like, you need to come do this, this, and that to be able to be successful. Yeah. And I was like, like, I know that's the same shit my dad would tell me, my mom would tell me. So I felt like, you know, he kind of had my best interest at heart at the time. And uh, that's that's why I chose Wisconsin. And just Coach Guard just was a, was a genuine person. And then Coach Ryan comes. Um, they came to um, they came to Benil's open gym uh, right at like soon. No, what was it? I can't remember. It was before or after that. Either way. And, you know, all the coaches came, and I just kind of hit it off with them. I felt like I hit it off with them. I remember I had I have asthma, and I had uh, my inhaler, like, right before they walked in, and my high school coach was like, you better throw that away. You don't want them knowing you have asthma. And I just kind of looked at them, like, damn, this nigga's sick. <laughs> like, what you want me to do? I can't control that. Like, they're going to know it's something. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I was like, so, but anyway, so I came in, and they saw me doing the inhaler. And Coach Riley was like, Jordan, can you breathe? And I was just like, damn. They made me laugh. And, you know, I think my first shot when they were there was an air ball. Like, come down, open gym, air ball. And I'm 16 years old. Like, I, you know, I want to make a good impression. And I look over there, and they're all just kind of laughing. Like, And then, you know, after that, kind of settled in or whatever. And after they were making fun of me about the air ball, it was good. And, you know, I had the scholarship. I committed maybe shit to couple of days after was and that the first major program that offered no so uh so i had notre dame offered me um it was kind of like one of those that, that that's and again that's why i didn't like the process because it was like wisconsin was very just formal like you knew what it was notre dame you go down there and mike bray who i love i think he's a great coach and honestly i think it might have been you know basketball wise a better fit for me especially to try and get to the next level and like the perception and everything mm-hmm. but um he was just like, yeah, you know, you got a scholarship if you want to come here. And I was just kind of like, we love you. He's like, we love you. And I was like, dog, I've seen you twice. Like, have you even seen me? Like, what? <laughs> so I just, I just didn't, you know, I, I feel like you got to have that connection on some level. And I just didn't feel it. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah, especially if you plan on spending, you know, 
three, four, up to three, four years of your time there, like you have to be comfortable and make sure that they're going to be sticking around. Was that the worst kind of recruiting experience you had, or is there one that stands out as like, okay? Oh, no, Minnesota is the worst, hands down. <laughs> and they didn't even recruit me like that. Like, I, it's like, it's, I, they didn't even, like Dan Munson was there um, before I committed, and um, he used to compare recruiting to marriage. And he said it, and he was like, like dating. He's like, recruiting's like dating. Like, I'm interested in you now. I don't know if you're going to be good in a couple of years. I don't know if I like you like that. And I was just like, no, you sound like a creep. Like, what are you? <laughs> I was just like, what are you talking about? Like, so, and, and I don't, they never offered me anything until after I committed when Tubby came. And then they kind of, they didn't, I, I mean, Tubby didn't do anything that was like out of line or anything like that. But, you know, they, yeah. they said, hey, like, Esposito was like, hey, Tubby's in the pavilion. I want you to go talk to him for a little bit. And, you know, Tubby, you can see, <laughs> I don't want to, you know, put him on blast. I like Tubby a lot, but I think he was just getting a little older at the time. And, you know, he was so, he was a good guy. But Munson, hands down, I was just like, this dude is a whole weirdo. <laughs> well, good guy. He's also a good guy. He was just like, I didn't really understand. I, didn't, I just didn't connect with him. <laughs> Well, you know, another thing I want to talk about is your dad, huge influence on you, and you've always been really into academics, you know, and, and I, I mean, you were, what, a 4.0 student throughout high school and all that, weren't you? Not, not 4.0. I, I mean, I had good grades in high school. I did what I was supposed to. Probably like three, three seven, three eight. Yeah, I mean, you were a smart kid, and school was very, very passionate. We're going to fast forward, too, when we get to your junior year, and I know the story behind that, if you want to get into it, about how you really want to go out and your parents wouldn't let you. But I want to talk about your dad's influence and all that before we get to that. Yeah, um, I mean, my dad is a nerd, so, <laughs> so he's good. That's my man. He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a huge nerd. He's kind of like the nerd of his family. Like, you go to the family. I mean, I'm sure Tevin, you know, Kyle, I'm sure you know, too, but you know black families. Like, you go to your family reunion, and everybody kind of got a role in the, you know, right. in the family, and it's like, I got a I got a cousin named Quinny Earl, big dude. He's huge now. And he used to man, every time family reunion, he got a story about how my dad had to he was getting, you know, they had to protect him walking home. He got the books, people picking on him, shit like that. <laughs> so you know, one of them stories. But you know, he was like he was like the the dude they, they didn't really my, my my uncle who passed away was like an athlete. So they protected him like that and they protected my dad because they were like, all right, he's gonna go to college and he's gonna, you know, do right. this. Yeah, he's that. To make it yeah, out right exactly so and and uh so yeah he, he was just a nerd and he went he went to grad school at st thomas and you know academics and uh saving money were the at the top of his list to instill in his kids you know he went to mcdonald's and this dude checked the itemized receipt at mcdonald's when we ordered you know it's like we <laughs> we going around <laughs> we going around you know i go yeah let me get a number two i want a number two he's like okay number two and then I'm in the back, like, supersized. And he stops his whole order. around, looks at me like, Super Jordan, you don't need all that food. Like, you're not going to eat all that. Mind you, I know y'all remember at the time, supersized was an extra 39 cents. Right. <laughs> so it's just like, nah, all right. I can't get the extra fry. Like, it's 39 cents. Like, so finally, he's like, all right, supersized. We go up. He's checking the itemized receipt. And it said something like they put an extra fry on there that's probably 99 cents at the time. He gives it back, right? He's just like, nah, <laughs> every time. <laughs> so, so, 
Yeah, he, he's like that. He's very uh, frugal or whatever you want to call it. You know, cheap is the cheap is the I'll give him the Jewish term and not to be very tight. He's frugal. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so it's just like that. And all, all throughout school, my mom was not too different. She's a she's a little more laid back like me, I think, or a little cooler. She, you know, she used to smoke weed and all this. <laughs> she used to tell me stories about um, how my, my uncle, my dad's younger brother, they all lived together when they were there at one time. I guess my, my uncle and my mom would get high, and my dad didn't really realize they were high. They would just be there pointing and laughing at my dad, and he'd be getting mad, like, what are y'all laughing at? They'd just be crying, like, making fun of us. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's kind of dynamic between my parents a little bit, but... Uh, yeah, they both stressed academics a lot, and especially, you know, in, in high school. Uh, I, see, I mean, yeah, in high school, if you put in a little bit of work, high school is not. Yeah, you grow up really good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> high school is not too tough as long as you, you know, take an hour a day, whatever it is, to, to do what you're supposed to do. Unless you got some AP chemistry or some bullshit like that. <laughs> Might be a little different. I, I would struggle, but yeah. But the one thing I want to get into is, you know, if we fast forward to your junior year, you had an amazing year. You were one of 11 finalists for the Bob Cousy Award, which is the nation's top point guard. I mean, you had one of the craziest runs the Big Ten's ever seen as far as wins go, just knocking people off. That crazy game against OSU. Um, yeah. I'm, I want to get into all that, too. Um, but, I mean, what was that like with your family before we get into all that, um, convincing you to go back? Because I know you wanted to go, and I, I've heard this story personally from you. I don't know if you want to talk about it or not. But I, yeah. I know people would want to hear it. Yeah, I mean, so I uh, after the season, I well during the season, I kind of started to hear from agents. In sophomore year, I had a solid year. I was like ten, but I wasn't an NBA prospect by any chance, like no chance. And then junior year, even I uh, I was having a really good year, but it's kind of under the radar. And um, you know that OSU game, I was an, I wasn't a finalist going into that OSU. They came out with the top ten for the Kuzi Awards. There's only ten people. And I was not a finalist before that game. And then I had that game, and they added me to the list that Monday. That was on a Saturday. And I went on, like, ESPN first take and all that, and they added me to the list that day. So they added an extra slot for me. And then I ended up, you know, finishing whatever in the top five or fourth or behind Kemba and Jimmer and all those guys. Um, but after the season, I was, uh, I, I was really leaning – I had all it was during the season, like got like beat, uh, I had a couple agents just reach out and be like, yo, we really think we want to talk to you. Think you could be like early second, uh, early second round, maybe late first even. So I just kind of tried to ignore it. And then, you know, after the season came, we sat down with, uh, with my AU coach with Renee and love, uh, and they were like, you should leave, you should leave. And I, I wanted to leave. I was a bit torn. I, cause I had a great time in Wisconsin. Wisconsin was, I, I loved Wisconsin had a genuinely amazing time like um even though my when I first started there I hated it but uh, <laughs> it's like uh I really loved it so I was like damn the NBA is my dream right so mm -hmm. my thinking is like, I can leave now or I can go back and I mean I'm thinking damn I'm gonna do the same shit again I'll just leave after next year mm -hmm. so you know I talked to like I said went and talked to the guy who was connected with Renee an agent and um I was after I had the conversation with him I was really like, okay I'm gonna leave I'm Go. And that was back when the NBA, uh, the, te the test the water stuff, the rules were a lot different. Oh, yeah, where you, could, like, you didn't hire an agent, you could come back to college or whatever? If you hired an agent, then you were done. 
Yeah. And on top of that, I think the national championship was around to say like April 4th, whatever. And if you decided to test the waters, you had to decide whether you could, whether you were coming back by like April 24th or something crazy. It was like, you had like two weeks to decide and you really could, the most you could do is like send out a letter to the NBA um, and see and kind of get feedback on the draft status, which is what I did. And I got the, you know, like second round, um, second round and some some uh someone was like recommended you go back and try and raise like raise your stock someone was like you should come out because it's as high as you're gonna get and um my dad was adding it on finished me finishing school and you know he doesn't he he wasn't he played baseball um but he didn't know the process like that nobody really knew the process like that if my family at the time it was kind of new to all of us so he was like, you know, you should go back to school, and if you do, well, you're going to do well again. You're going to get drafted anyway. Um, when I mean, I think the the proper response would probably be to go out and just. I mean, you can finish school at any time. Yeah. And uh, but there was also, I mean, there was also a lockout at the time, which was like, all right. So if you do go second round, then you know the lockout. You're not going to have a job. You got to go overseas or whatever. And you, and then if you're a second, it's not a guaranteed contract as a second rounder. So there's just, there was just a lot of moving pieces where I was just so unsure. There wasn't like, it wasn't enough for me to just be like, damn, I'm set. Let me go. And, you know, my dad influenced me at the end of the day it was my decision, obviously. Um, and then part of it was just, I wanted to try to go to a final four. You know, we went to the sweet 16, my junior year. And I felt like we played probably the worst game of our season in the sweet 16, you know, John Lure. Shit, John's probably a top three player at Wisconsin ever um, for me, and he probably had the worst game of his career just by chance. Butler did a good good job on him. I had a terrible game. I think combined with like seven and twenty eight, and I just part of me like in hindsight, it's kind of stupid if the NBA should go, but I just didn't feel good leaving with that taste in my mouth either. Yeah, yeah. so competitor in you too. You want to you know take it to the next step and finish what you started. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, I you know, I, I decided at the end of the day to go back to school. That's, I mean, in hindsight, that's, in hindsight, I probably should have left. Um, but you know, I had a similar situation with Frank Kaminsky. I'll never forget. Um, after Frank's junior, and he was all Big Ten first team, they went to the Final Four, and I'll never forget. You know, thinking this is three, two or three years after I left, and we were in Madison, and I was sitting there talking to Frank. Oh, you should leave. Like from my own experience, I was like, leave, leave for sure, leave just leave and you know Frank decided to stay and it worked obviously he had an amazing senior year and it worked out for him um so you know it's it's hard to it's hard to predict that kind of stuff and it's hard to you know say one way is better than the other you know I think you know the the, the adage is if you're hot you know you gotta strike while you're hot you know what I'm saying so um but you know like I said everything happens for a reason um that summer decided not to go and then I ended up that summer hurt uh messing up my ankle and uh, in a workout, matter of fact, I was going, just doing like these. I'd gone to CP camp uh, right after the season and Dan Williams camp, like the elite stuff. And I was just doing some of the drills that they had showed us there. And I ended up like turning my ankle funny. And I felt it was funny right away, but I kind of ignored it for like two weeks. And then eventually I had, I went and found out that I needed surgery on my, on my ankle. And, and ever since then, yeah. Ever since prevented you from the USA like, prevented going to the USA team and yeah. uh, or going to the USA trials at least. Um, you know, obviously, I'm USA. I probably make the team, obviously. <laughs> but, uh, 
Yeah, so uh, preventing me from that stuff, preventing me from the whole summer, pretty much took my whole summer away, which, you know, a guy like me, like, the, that's where I made my game. It was in the summer before and the summer before that. So, and matter of fact, I got yelled at several times because I was out there trying to, to – we played this ultimate Frisbee game every Friday, and I would be out there trying to, like, sneak in the game and work out. Our trainer snapped on me one time. Henry, he's one of the nicest dudes ever. Like, I've never – that's the only time I've ever heard him yell. And I tried to sneak out on the field. He was like, Joe, get your fucking ass back over here. <laughs> I was like, all right, my bad. That's probably the first time I've been like back down too. And I was like, you got it? <laughs> got it, boss. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, so I hurt my ankle. And ever since then, like, the whole season, I just, my knee was hurting the whole, my whole senior year. Like, I just never felt right. Never felt right. And I thought it was my knee. I got a bunch of MRI. I probably got, like, five MRIs on my knee. And every time they were just like, no, nah, you're fine. There's nothing wrong with your knee. So I was like, damn, but this just doesn't feel right. Like my lifts, you know, I mean, if you guys have watched, I jump on my jump shot and the lift just didn't feel the same. And, you know, it was, it was just messed up. And then I played, played the season, played the season. I had a solid year. I was still an All-American honorable mention, which I think when you're expected to come in like here, like up here, and you come in kind of like right here, that just kind of changes the perspective of, uh, of people on you. So, obviously, you know, I ended up uh, not getting drafted. Went to the combine, did all, all the pre-draft stuff. And, you know, there was a couple of teams that are like, we really like you at this range, like 40 to I hired, I went with B.J. Armstrong out of Wasserman. And he was like, you know, a couple of teams like you at like 37 or, or 57 or 40, I think 43. But I figured that year I knew, like, if I didn't go to these, like, four picks, I knew it was probably wasn't going to happen. Um uh, so yeah. So anyway, didn't get drafted. Summer league, I played. I still wasn't. Like, I just let's let's, let's go back to the college stuff, college. though. Let's go back into the the junior I, I, year. I want to hear about this because man, that that run we were talking about. Like I said, yeah. you, you kicked the crap out of OSU. What was that like? Because mm-hmm. before that, they they whooped you guys by like almost thirty. So I mean, that was later. That was, that was after that game. They beat us by thirty. Uh, oh, I thought it was before. Yeah. No, that was the so that was the last game of the year. That was their senior night. Um, oh, okay. John Deber was on a crazy run at that time. He hit like 17 threes in two games or something like that. So we just ran into a buzz. So, like, yeah, they beat us by like 30 um, or 25. I mean, the, the, my favorite part of that game, though, and, and I've seen you because I've watched you, I followed you. Just, just you're, you're kind of like a microwave, man. When you start heating up, you go off. And it'll be, it'll be yeah. 15 quick, real, right at crunch time all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of the type where I, you know, I try and let the game come to me. That's kind of how I score. I'm not really a scorer, but I can score, you know, you know, I'll get a get a layup here, hit a three there, and you look up and I'll have, you know, 17. Um, <laughs> and then, and so it's like, it was crazy. Actually, Tuck uh, had this conversation. Going into my junior year, my dad said something. We were talking and my dad was like, yeah, Jordan, if you know, if you average 18, 20, you know, you have a shot at the league. And Tuck was like, yeah, 18-20 is tough. And I was like, yeah, it is tough in the Big Ten. And my dad was just like, it's not that tough. You just, you know, get a couple couple twos, you hit two threes a game, and four, three, four free throws or five free throws, and you're right there. And I was like, damn, you make it sound easy. But then, you know, during the season, I would, I would think about that sometimes. Like, you know, we'd be in the bonus, and I'd just, you know, kind of grab someone's arm and play a lot. Like, those are two free knock those down, you know what I'm saying? So, if you kind of break it down like that, sometimes you make it easier on you, you know what I'm saying? You just kind of make it easier on yourself. Um, but anyway, yeah, the OSU game was, it was crazy. It was like, we were down 15. They threw a, they threw a backdoor lob uh, to Sully to go up 15. And I remember thinking, it was like 13 minutes left. 
And, you know, we played slower pace at Wisconsin. And I just remember after that play, I got the inbound and started walking up the court. I just kind of looked up, and the crowd was kind of quiet. It was pretty quiet. And I just remember thinking, like, damn, I feel like we're going to win this game. Like, I feel like it's I – w- I didn't really panic or anything like that. You know, it was one of those games where you look forward to it all week. Like, we had we had three games that week. Uh, we played Michigan State on Sunday on CBS. We played Iowa on Wednesday in, in Iowa City. And then we had Ohio State. But it was one of those things where we were still – like, I'm looking like, damn, I know these dudes are undefeated. They got Sully. Sully's big time. And I'm looking at it like the season I'm having, I'm trying to explode this whole week. And I think I had like 30 against Michigan State. And I had like, I don't know, like maybe 18 or something against Iowa. And I hit a, you know, hit a game winner against Iowa. And then going to the house, I had a, I, my trainer to this day still says I was concussed against Iowa, but because I hit my head on one play and I just kind of like walked it off. And he was like, no, we need to take you to the protocol. I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> And then I didn't practice the next day before against Ohio State, before the Ohio State game. I didn't practice on the Thursday, and I practiced a little bit on the Friday. So I wasn't sure I was even going to play. And then, so anyway, during that time, I looked up. I was like, all right, we're, you know, we're good. We're down 15. And that's when, you know, we just kind of picked up the tempo. We hit, like, 15 in, like, three minutes. And it was one of those things where coach didn't say anything. He just kind of let us play. And I think everybody on the team kind of – I'm not sure. I've never asked anybody that. But it kind of felt like everybody on the team just kind of synced up at one time because everybody just kind of locked in. Like we went on a 15-0 run. Josh hit a three. Ryan hit it. Ryan Evans hit a, hit a shot. And it was just an avalanche. And after that, it was just kind of like, oh, shit. Once we, once we cut it to five, I think there was a – I hit a floater and we cut it to seven. And once that happened, I was like, all right, yeah, like, we good. Like it's, it's, it's popping out. Like, I'm going to – like we was picking up the ten, I was just like, we straight. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a, uh, it was a crazy game, man. It was, <clears throat> there was a, there was, a, I was also looking forward to that game because Aaron Kraft. If you go look back at, I looked at everybody he played before the game, like, and you know that year in the Big Ten, we had a lot of good guards. Like we had like Kalen Lucas, uh, Taylor Battle, Mike Juice Thompson, um, shoot, Rock Cartwright was at Iowa even. Uh, I'm trying to think where else. Shoot, even like Al and them. I think they were gone at Minnesota, but uh, Demetri McKamey at Illinois. Like, all over. And I looked, and Aaron Kraft had kind of slowed down every single guard. Like, they might have got, like, Taylor, I might have scored a lot, but he shot a terrible percentage. So I looked at that before the game, too, and I was like, nah, I'm going to bust this dude ass. Like, he he was a freshman. He had the buzz, like, like, he was all defensive team and all that. And I was like, honestly, I looked at him like, this white boy? Like, man, what the heck? Like, and, and Kraft can guard. Kraft's a, Kraft's a good defender, obviously. But I was like, nah, not me. Like, I, I, I'm not going for that. <laughs> um, but, so, yeah. So, there's there's just a lot of motivation and fuel for that game to to win. And in the moment, that's just, it was like, uh, honestly, it's like, I, I feel like I blacked out at part, part of the game. Like, somewhere in the middle, it was just kind of one of those things where, you're just so locked in on the game. It was it was fun, bro. It was fun. We, we had Bruce on the other day, and um, he told us in that that you, there must have been a timeout or a foul. Something happened when you guys all got together and did a huddle. And he said, you you were in the huddle, and you go, we're going to beat their fucking asses, then we're going to go celebrate after this. Let's go, or something like that is what he say. <laughs> I, I probably said some shit like that. <laughs> he was like, I'll after that, we were ready. Is all he kept saying. Oh, man, that night, though, that night was crazy. That, that was one of the craziest nights. I'll never forget, I walked in the liquor store after the game, 
and I grabbed a bottle of Goose and I walked and put it on the counter and the liquor and the dude, like we kind of, like we knew him. I didn't really go to that liquor store. I put it there. He was like, that's all? I was like, yeah. He was like, go grab three more. So he just went and grabbed three more Goose bars. He's like, you good. It's on me tonight. But we had like four Goose bottles. We had people at the crib. That, oh yeah, that night was popping. <laughs> that night was great. Canvas was definitely rocking. And, you know, we had beat Ohio State football, too, earlier that year when they were number one, like Terrell Pryor and them. So it was, yeah, that, that night was rocking. And that school just rocked. I mean, I came out for Mifflin or whatever that one year. It's crazy out there. I think that was the year that Monty Ball got in that trouble. Like, I think he got beat up or something out there. Whatever happened that weekend? or Yeah, that, yeah, that was my senior year. I think uh, he didn't get – Oh, he did get beat up. That was my yeah, kid. Yeah, he got, like, jumped or something. Monty got arrested for trespassing, I think, on Mifflin, which is crazy. Like Everybody's doing it. it. Right. Yeah, that's what Mifflin is. But they had changed it that year because the year prior, people got stabbed. So they kind of changed the rules. They didn't shut down the street. And I wasn't there, but Monty got arrested for trespassing for whatever reason. And then, yeah, when I came back the next year from overseas, he got uh, – he got jumped, and I was with him that night. Matter of fact, the night he got jumped, we was at Brock's. We were at Brock's, and uh, like we went this way, he went that way, and we were leaving. And next thing I know, I woke up in the morning like uh, Wisconsin football star. Like, I was like, "Damn, I'm glad I turned right." <laughs> like, no, no, I mean, I kind of wish I would have been there to help him out. But you know, that, that he had that dynamic. Like some of the we call them townies or whatever, the kids that were from Madison sometimes they would be on some nonsense like some obviously some of them are real cool and you know but some of those kids it's just like i, I don't know they would, haters they would, some just haters. yeah I don't, know what, I don't know what it was i you know i didn't run into too many problems but i kind of kept my head low uh most of the time but uh yeah well, the, the other game i want to talk about is uh like i said that run you had osu iowa msu or minnesota state purdue they were two of them were ranked. You had like six ranked teams you guys played that year that you beat, I think. And then on yeah. top of that, I, I think that the cool one though is I like to bring up that Draymond Green game. You had 30 on them, and I think your shooting was like I know in the OSU game you were like nine for 13 or something, just like absurd. Like I said, a microwave yeah. when you're on, you're on, you heat yeah, up. I got, yeah, I definitely got hot that week. Uh, the yeah, the Draymond, what they had like Kalen and and Michigan State, they have uh, you know, the way they play defense is like you kind of got to shoot it well, otherwise, because they just they foul every play. Like they put two hands on you every play, and I think it seems like their strategy is you know foul so much the ref can't call all of them. So it's just like <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like man, gotta, yeah, you you a Michigan State fan? No, no, I don't know. He's from Wisconsin. Uh, <laughs> No, okay, yeah. So I was just like, man. So you you gotta shoot it well. And that, that game too. I was just that game was just kind of easy. We blew them out, and you know, I think John was on fire. Like John was working that game too. We were just kind of getting whatever we wanted. But they were they were struggling in that game. You know, they said they said some of them dudes were like smoking weed. You know, they had a bunch of transfers that year. Um, I think they were like preseason number two in the country, and for sure picked to win the Big Ten. But they had a bunch of dudes like Corey Lucius transferred to Iowa State, and they had they, so they was Chris Allen left. Yeah, it was just a it was a mess that year. Um, they had a, they were by far the most talented team I think, uh, them or Ohio State. Um, but yeah, no, those dudes, those dudes in general, I feel like you know when they play Wisconsin, it was like they respect you, but they don't. So to say, yeah. you know, I think they look at us. 
also has or had that kind of reputation of slow, like yeah, they just fundamentally sound bunch of tall white guys running around, and then like Michigan State was like this just badass, athletic, fast, faster pace. Like so, you guys were like look almost looked down on. I felt like at least when I was growing up, most of the time for Wisconsin basketball. Sure, that's exactly what it was. And then it was like I remember when we played Kansas State that year in the tournament and. Jacob Pullen was like, I don't want to put her like he was he was just like uh two two minutes into the game. And we was up with, I don't know what the what the score was, but he's just like, man, if I don't stop bullshit, y'all gonna lose so much of fucking white boys. And he he was walking away, he was walking away, he was like, hey, damn crackers. And I was just like, I was like, damn, man, like, what's up? <laughs> he was like, my bad. Most of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, that was kind of the reputation. That, that was definitely that was definitely the reputation we had. But you know, it was fun too because like you start busting people ass and they look up. Like Minnesota was the same way. Like it was just like, man, we can't lose to these dudes. And at some point, like I still talk to Trent to this day. Like at some point, you just gotta realize that we got white people. We're just better than y'all. Like right. <laughs> to be like we weren't that unathletic. John Lure and Keaton. Keaton Nankerville were probably my junior year. They probably they're two of the more athletic front court players in the Big Ten that year in terms of you know just vertical bouncing the way they moved and stuff like that. Like John and Keaton, we were never. Our problem was we never were athletic on the wing when I was there. But if you look at Wisconsin historically, anytime they have an athlete on the wing, they tend to you know when they had Orlando Tucker, they were number one in the country. Uh, yeah, probably he would. He, in my eyes, he was national player of the year because he was runner up pretty much, and the dude who won it was Kevin Durant. So, yeah, they had, you know, Doe, they were number one in the country. Brian Butch got hurt. Otherwise, they probably go to, you know, Elite Eight, Final Four. Um, and then when Sam was there on the wing, they go to two Final Four. So, um, I would be telling people that, man. I would be like, man, go to Wisconsin. Man. We got someone on the wing. We, we don't play that slow all the time. So, it's just like, <laughs> it's heated up. But, yeah, no, anyway, it was uh, that that season and that those, that week of games was uh, definitely something I remember for sure. Yeah. Hey, when you say like on you guys for being like, a, we're going to lose a bunch of white guys, was that something like culturally that you struggled with or you are and the rest of the black players on the team where it was like you guys are kind of pegged into that framework of, oh, we're all just a bunch of white boys and you guys kind of get lumped into that? Was that something you guys struggled with at all? Um, I wouldn't say struggled. I, you know, there was times where I'd be like, I didn't like the perception for sure. To this day, I still don't like it. It's like, it's, some of it's true, like, uh, about the style and all that. But like I said, Keaton and John were two of the most athletic dudes, but I, I wouldn't say I struggled with it. Um, you know, with the perception, because honestly, I think if you ask a lot of players, we probably fall outside the perception. They'll yeah. be like, They'll be like, oh, you guys got a bunch of white dudes, and then you guys are just expected to make plays. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, all right. Man, <laughs> Not that there's wrong with being, there's nothing wrong, you know, being on playing with whites because they can all play for sure. But, you know, at times for sure, it could, it could be kind of annoying for sure because, you know, you don't want it. Honestly, it was annoying um, for, you know, when you're looking at your draft status, to be honest, because it's like you kind of do get lumped in from the NBA state that you're just unathletic or something like that, and, like, that wasn't the case. I mean, I'm not the most athletic person ever, but, you know, you look, they'll take a guy like, like Sheldon Mack, for example, 
or Butler, and they'll look at the way they play and they'll go, he's athletic. Selvin Mack is not more athletic than, you know, any guard that we had at all. So that's probably the most annoying part is that, you know, you get lumped in. um, And then the crazy thing was when they went to two finals, I remember Clark Kellogg, um, how the perception kind of changed. Clark Kellogg's on national TV talking about, oh, Wisconsin's so athletic now because they had Sam. But after Sam, it was like, Nah, <laughs> like they got six five guards, and they were talking about like Josh Josh Gasser, and I was like, Josh is six three at best. You know, they got Ben Bruss, who is not Ben's fast as hell, but he's not athletic by any stretch of the mind. So, once you start winning at that next level, they kind of starts the, the perception change, which was dope for them. Um, but yeah, it, it could get annoying for sure. You know, growing up, especially for us, our age. Devin Harris was somebody you look at like, wow, he he was the face of Wisconsin for a minute there. <laughs> no, like my favorite Wisconsin basketball player, Devin Harris. Proving my point. Proving my point. But what was it like passing him, bro? You you aren't you seventh all time scoring now? I think, uh, I think I was when I left. I'm sure. I think Nigel and Ethan were after me, and I think Nigel's like third, so I had to drop maybe eighth or ninth or tenth. So that means he's dropped. But, I mean, what was it like passing him? Because he, he was a great, like you said, if you knew Wisconsin, you knew Devin Harris. Yeah, I mean, Devin, I mean, Devin only played three years there. Um, but still, yeah, passing him. He, I mean, Devin came back. Devin and Michael Finley came back a little, quite a bit my senior year. And, you know, just being able to kind of be around them a couple of days and learn from those guys, especially at the time, I was thinking, like, damn, I'm going to get drafted. Maybe I'll get to play against these dudes at that level. Um yeah, Devin, Devin was dope. And Devin was a dude who transcended that that uh, perception, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So that was actually kind of the cool thing. Uh, you know, Devin was seen as, like, the dude who just got the ball, didn't run the swing, and just, and just went. Um, and he transcended kind of the Wisconsin basketball status quo. Um, so, yeah, passing him was, was amazing, especially that was right, around, right after he was an all-star and all that. And Devin's a good dude. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't really, I don't even know how else to describe it. I don't think there was like a moment where I was like, damn. But you know, just growing up, same thing. Devin, for me, the best players at Wisconsin ever are Devin, Mike, and Dope. And it's not, it's not close at all. Like I know that's no disrespect to Frank at all, because you know Frank, National Player of the Year, and Frank won, went to the Final Four. But you know, Finn and Doe are, you know, the top two scorers in Wisconsin history. And uh, like as far as just straight basketball players, those dudes are—they're ill. Like they're, they're nice as hell. And Devin too. Like those dudes are just hand. Like eye test for me is not close. So yeah, it was it was both passing them. Another thing I want to talk about is that dynamic. You know, some of the greatest moments of your life came during that tournament, and then some of the toughest moments in your life came at that tournament. What's that like? You know, your last game against what was that? Uh, Syracuse, and that was a—I mean, right there. Yeah, yeah, man, that's shoot. Actually, they posted that on their on the Badger Instagram page, and somebody commented. Uh, <laughs> somebody commented that uh, we messed up the play, and I was happy as hell because I remember I was getting ripped apart after that because I took like a heave three, but that's not what was supposed to happen. Like I just had to shoot it. Like I ended up with the ball, and I was like, "Damn, I got it." Syracuse long as shit, so they're getting tested, and I like grazed the rim. But if we would have ran the play right, my man would have, Rob Wilson would have been wide open in the middle of the zone. Uh, I forget which big man it was, but it stepped up and he was supposed to, like, kind of attack him and make a play, either kick it out to a shooter or whatever. He was supposed to just slip. And I, uh, man, I was sick. Like, at the time, after we missed, after I missed the shot, 
I was like mad that my career was over, but I was also mad as shit that we fucked up the play. Cause I, I yeah. drew up the play. Coach Ryan, that whole tournament, Coach Ryan looked at me cause we played Vanderbilt the game before and we were tied or down by one. And Coach Ryan looked at me and was like, Jordan, you're a team, you're a senior, what are we doing? And I was like, yo, all right, this is what we're going to do. Like, I drew up the play in the huddle and against Vanderbilt. I came off, I hit a three, they missed, we won. Syracuse, same thing. I drew up the play, and I'm thinking, like, I'm sitting here looking at dude. I'm like, slip, and he didn't slip. So I got stuck, and I was sick. Like, I was so mad because I was like, uh, we should And I knew, I knew we had Ohio State the next game, and we had just – we had split with them this year. But Ohio State, and they weren't the same type of team that they had been. You know, they had Kraft and William Buford and Sully. But they just didn't have the same type of – they went to the Final Four. They were good. But they didn't have the same type of firepower. Like, I felt on a neutral site that we could have beat them. And I'm thinking, like, man, it's the same thing. I think, if, you know, if we win that game, we go to the Final Four, it just kind of changes the perception of people. You know, that year, I, people were like, oh, you didn't have as good a year. But if you go to the Final Four, it kind of changes that. Mm-hmm. So I was just, I was in the locker room. I was crying. I was just in the locker room more bad at the situation than actually losing the game for a little bit. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's how it goes, uh, playing at the Boston Garden. It was dope as hell, and that, that arena was crazy. I mean, like, in the last couple seconds, I think they missed a free throw, and there was, like, a loose ball, and there was, like, it felt like there was, like, all ten guys diving like a football play, like there was a damn fumble. Uh, <laughs> like, right. you could tell how bad everybody on their team and our team wanted to win. And, you know, we shot the lights out, though. We played a, we played a good game over. We just didn't. We just didn't win. But yeah, that, that to this day make that probably makes me more sick than any other game I played in in my life that we lost that game. And so, is that a regular occurrence for Bo to be like, "Hey, Jordan, you're gonna drop this play coming out of a out of bounds player side out"? Nah, he just did it in the tournament that year for those two games. Really, like he was just like, I mean, pretty much like he always let me go and you know make decisions. But in those situations, he just kind of gave me the keys. And I was dude, like, he started talking and he was like, actually, you know what? Like, what you think? And I was like, all right, this is what, this is what I see out there. So maybe it was just a bad play call by me. But it was, <laughs> I, I thought it was going to work. But uh, yeah, no, it, it wasn't. It wasn't a regular thing. My uh, other big I mean, we go through all your stats and all your accolades. We'd be talking for 30 minutes minimum. You know what I mean? But my favorite thing when you're brought up is. That 3.01 career assist to turnover ratio, which shattered the NCAA record. So yeah. I mean, that's that's just a cool stat, man. That is my least favorite thing that people bring up. You gotta take care uh, of you take care of the rock, man. Because to me, again, that that's what I struggle with. I'm like, that kind of feeds into the you know, I've had people tell me before where it's like, oh, Wisconsin's the perfect system for you. And don't get I love Wisconsin, I love Coach Ryan. He's an amazing coach. Ryan is hands down the best coach that I've ever played for in terms of like getting, you know, getting the most out of players and, you know, just having, you know, organization and system. And, you know, coach Ryan just commands respect in a way that a lot of people can't, but that assist to turnover ratio makes me so mad. Cause it's like, all right, you at like Evan Turner makes fun of me to this day. Cause he's like, uh, he was talking about Cassius Winston, how Cassius Winston like averaged like seven assists and maybe like two turns. He was like, yeah, he's actually averaging assists, though, not that three assists to one turnover that you average. And I'm just like, you know, but I, I average five assists, and in a system like ours, five assists is a lot of assists. Like, right. the way we play with that tempo in 18, like 18 and five, my junior year. So it's like, to me, it's almost like, damn, like, fuck that assist to turnover ratio. I was killing it. Like, I was 
gives a damn about and ET is a guy, Evan's a guy where he probably was the opposite. He probably would get eight assists, but he had seven turnovers. But he's the type where he's like, well, I was making plays. And I was like, shit, too. <laughs> like, you let me know. So I actually hate when people bring that up. I'm proud of it, don't get it twisted, but I hate when people leave with that. Like, like it's they're like, oh, very, it's not a very sexy stat to like. Yeah, rank. I'm just like, Okay, like, what if people, people watch the games? They see the points, man. And if you really watch how they happen, like I said, you be throwing them up quick out of nowhere. Kind of like Tuck. I'm talking about Tuck. Tuck all the time. Maybe never score until the end of the game. Very similar. And years yeah. is always at crunch time. You got but that you factor. Know, you know, people like now, I'm 30. People don't remember all that. Like people, like, people barely remember like college from when I was 21. That was 10 years ago, damn near. So it's like now, like, oh, you know, it's just a turnover ratio. I'm like, man, fuck that. Like, I. <laughs> Like, I, was like, I was like, give me something else. Like, I was a two-time All-American. Leave with that or something. Yeah. Like, turnover, you're talking about sister turnover ratio. Yeah, man. Like, fuck that. We brought up how you were already an All-American. We already had that. I didn't want to recap what no, we already no, talked no, no, no. about. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about you. I'm saying, like, that's a regular okay. occurrence. Like, when I sign with the new team, they'll put that in on Welcome Jordan Taylor as NCAA assistant or something. Like that. I'm just like, what? The only yeah. one I want to bring up is the all defense team. That was funny to me. I played you, so Trevor. Trevor <laughs> to this day, Rabakwood always says, "How are you on the all defense team?" Like it's a media award. It's a coaches picked award. These coaches watch film. They watch like I played my junior. Year, I played. I always guarded the best player or Josh Wood sometimes. And the way we played, it was like I did what I was supposed to do. So I'm not picking up 94 feet like Lewis Jackson, but I guarded, and the coaches decided on this, not the media. <laughs> These coaches who get paid millions of dollars to break down and analyze film and they who's the best at something shows me to be on this team. And people are like, oh, are you on all the – I don't know, motherfucker, they chose it. That's it. Clearly I was doing something right. <laughs> so I'm actually proud of that one. And Trent is like – that's delusional, though. Trev thinks the go- for some reason he thinks the Gophers have like a legit basketball program, and his they, argument like, every time that oh we were ranked top fifteen at one point during the year, yeah, the first day, motherfucker. And then y'all, <laughs> I have I've, I've a lot of friends that are huge like Wisconsin and uh, Minnesota basketball fans, and just fans in general. That's the one difference you can tell is, like, Wisconsin, they'll talk about, like, oh, we're making it to Final Fours and we're trying to get to Sweet Sixteens. And Minnesota will be like, yeah, you know, we we had this good practice this one time. <laughs> There's levels to this, Minnesota. You're not up to it. <laughs> it's like, you, know, you can say that y'all are growing. You're not there yet. Just say that. Like, they, yesterday, I was with Dave Johnson and Trev, and they're talking about the football program, and I'm just like, I mean, I'm not sold on P.J. Fleck yet. He seems like he's doing all the right things. But the man's beat one ranked team. And this is where they lose. They're like, no, we beat like four ranked teams. I'm like, no, you haven't. Like, you beat Penn State, who also has never beat a ranked team on the road with their coach. Other than that, y'all are bummed. Like, stop. Like, why do you guys keep doing it? Oh, and, <laughs> and when they beat y'all for the axe, this, what was it, last year or two years ago? Yeah. Oh, gosh, Minnesota lost their damn minds. But and I was like, and they think that that's like a signature win. I'm like, yo, Wisconsin was like seven and four. Like that was a bad year for us. Like, what do you mean? And then I was like, this year, I told, I was like, if they would have beat uh, Wisconsin this year, 
then I would give. I would be like, okay, Flex got something going. But Flex. now you, uh, that's the biggest game of your career. You get mollywopped on national TV, and then they, you know their response is, oh well, the weather. And, All right, Doug, I'm done. We're done. Here. <laughs> <laughs> we play on the same weekend every year in November. Like, it's, stop it. Right. Well, well let's, let's get back into your pro career. Um, I, I went back and I looked because, I mean, this is stuff I would have remembered back in the time when you were about to be, you know, your junior year when all the, the, the hype was going on. And to me, when I look at who was drafted, there's only three people who I think had names. And I don't even know if Brandon Knights was bigger than yours. I thought you were bigger than Brandon Knight. But, I mean, Kyrie and Jimmer. Yeah, I mean, Brandon Knight was just his, – his was because – in college basketball that year, May, it was probably at that or you know equivalent, whatever. But you know Brandon Knight's McDonald's, he's Kentucky. Yeah. Guy. you're Kentucky. You're bigger than I mean, you're bigger than the world. Like you going to you going to the league if you're Kentucky. As a matter of fact, I signed with me and Brandon had the same uh, agency coming out uh, with Wasserman, and I did. Uh, wait, is this? Is, hold on, I'm trying to think. This would have been, been 2011, so this would have been the year before where you would have gone out as a junior. If you yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. So, but either way, Brandon ended up signing with Wasserman and I did the next year. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, Kentucky's name is anything attached to Calipari, McDonald's, All-American, his name is close. So, um, but as far as names go, like, I, I felt like if I would have came out, I think I felt like, who knows, I felt like I could have gone like late first. Like there's a guy, Charles Jenkins from Hofstra, who's playing overseas now as well. Um, I think I would have been somewhere in that range. Who knows, man? Who knows? See, everything happens for a reason. And, you know, I've actually, it's, it's kind of crazy. And all the people in my life right now probably wouldn't be if I was overseas. It's, it's crazy how much, you know, overseas to America kind of shifts your experiences. But, and I'm, I'm grateful. Like, me and Trevor, Trevor's one of my best friends. Like, I go over to his house. His kids are, I love his kids. I got pictures of all his kids on my phone. And we played with each other in Italy. And, you know, I think he expected to get drafted, too. He didn't. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I wouldn't trade that for anything. That's a friendship I wouldn't trade at all. Uh, we got closer over there. So, uh, yeah, you know, everything happens for a reason. Well, then we fast forward 2012. You go undrafted. You end yeah. up playing in the summer league with the Hawks, right? Why don't you start telling us how this all goes down? Um, so, well, actually, so on draft night, I was with uh, – I had a girlfriend at the time, and I had, like, a little mini draft party, probably, like, 10, 15 people over because I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And I'll never forget, uh, Jeff Taylor got drafted, I think, like, 31. And, you know, Jeff Taylor, whatever. I got all these people, and Trevor's ass is there. And they announced it, and he wasn't paying attention. All he hears is, all he hears is Taylor. This dude jumps up off the couch and goes, ah! And I looked at him, and I was like, you know, sit your ass <laughs> Oh, you're getting excited? Like, he almost tricked me into thinking I got drafted. Like, I was like, damn, man. So, anyway, so, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get drafted that night. And that, I mean, it, it sucked. It did. It sucked a lot. But, you know, Walter Bond, who's a, a Minnesota alum, he played with, like, back in the day. He actually texted me, and he was just like, you know what? Like, nah, it doesn't really matter. I didn't get drafted either. You just got to do your work now in, in summer league. Um, so, I, kinda, I went in with that mindset. And I think I had a good chance uh, with the Hawks. You know, they had me. I was there with, like, Brad Wanamaker, who's in the league now. You know, they put me uh, as the number one guy over Brad. I just never, after that ankle surgery my junior year, I just never felt quite right. And to this day, I have not felt, you know, like 100%. Um, it's always been, I've, you know, I've had ever since that ankle surgery, I had, what, six surgeries in seven years since then. And I went like, yeah, so like 
right after junior year, I had ankle. After senior year, I did summer league, and then I had shoulder surgery right after that. Uh, the next year, I had hip surgery, and then I had groin surgery, and I had another hip surgery, and then I had thumb surgery. And then I got this crazy food poisoning that threw off everything, and I just my whole body just kind of locked up. So it was, yeah. So I just, I really have not been completely healthy probably since my junior year of college going into a season or really at all. So it was just unfortunate. That's part of the game, those injuries and all that. So, uh, but, you know, the Haw- like I said, the Hawks gave me a good chance. I, I played, I didn't really do much. I wasn't aggressive enough. But like I said, a part of that was because I just, I just didn't, I kind of lost some of the confidence when, you know, when you're injured, you just can't move, especially lower body injuries. Um, <clears throat> I'm not the most, uh, I'm not the most overly, I'm not, I'm athletic enough, I think, to play in the league, especially back then. But I need to be 100%. You know, as a matter of fact, my, my assistant coach going into my junior year, I had, a, I had a foot thing going into my junior year. And I was trying to play through it. Because, you know, Wisconsin, the, the, uh, back then, the, the protocol was kind of like, if you don't play through injury, you're soft. So everybody tries to play through injury. And I think that was kind of what it was everywhere. It's changed now. Uh, but my assistant coach, Gary Close, he sat me down. And he was like, yo, you need to sit out for a week or whatever it is, get healthy. He's like, you're, you know, if you're healthy, you're a really good player. You've got a chance to be really good. But if you're injured, then I mean, you're, you're solid. Like, you're not going to make a, a huge impact. And he actually, I think, I don't know if he talked to Coach Ryan or what, because um, I really, I was kind of nervous to sit out. Um, but he could, he convinced me to sit out, and I did that. And then I came back, and I was healthy. And then that year, I just never really got back to that bill of health after that. So. So then you did the the summer league, but then you went over and played in Italy. Was that when you played with Trevor too? Was that Italy or was that uh, Greece? Yeah. Where were you guys at? Italy? Is that the same one? Uh, so well, after two, 2012, I went to Italy, but Trevor was still in college. Okay, and, that's uh, right. Yeah, you know Trev, he did 10 years of college, <laughs> something like that. So <laughs> dude graduated high school a year before me and uh, left college a year after me. Uh, so <laughs> 28-year-old uh, senior. <laughs> but, so, no, so anyway, so Trev, uh, I, I, did, I was in Italy um, my, my first year, and we had a really good year. Um, I ended up, we ended up going to the finals. And, you know, in, in Europe, the way it works is whoever is getting paid the most is supposed to win, okay. which is similar to the NBA, but, like, not the budget discrepancies, no salary cap, so the discrepancy is a lot different. So um, we were supposed to pick, we were, uh, 18 teams we were picked to finish like 17th or or maybe 14th or something like that and we ended up going to the finals against one of the EuroLeague teams and lost in like six games which is like a huge surprise and one of my teammates won MVP of the league Gigi Detome and he, after that <coughs> excuse me Italian guy he went to uh I think he went to Detroit or Boston and Gotti Wall. we had another guy from Georgia Tech who was a first round pick and you know pretty much everybody you know Toronto uh, uh, Brian Colangelo was there as a GM in Toronto at the time. He came out to see us. You know, we had NBA GMs in our gym every, or scouts, whatever, every practice pretty much because of Gigi. And Toronto, Colangelo really liked me. And he was talking about, you know, signing me to a deal for Summer League, which, you know, in the NBA, if you sign a deal for Summer League, that means it's a good chance. You got a better chance to make the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was excited about that. And he was kind of talking you know, he was talking about Toronto, places to live and all that. And then he got fired um, right before, right before summer league or like right after the season. And that's when uh, Masai Ujiri came in. And, you know, I don't think Masai really felt the same way about me. 
Um, but I still play with Toronto in the summer league. Um, and, you know, I think they ended up signing uh, Dwight Bikes or something like that uh, for Marquette. So, um, yeah, so it was, it was, uh, that, that's kind of how that played out after 2012. But, you know, it was still a really good year. And then that's kind of right after when all that happened that summer league, that's when I had to insert my hip stuff. And I realized, and the doctor had told me that the hip stuff was probably why my knee was hurting my whole senior year. So I was just like, oh, damn. And then I kind of, I remember, like, I kind of thought back to it in my whole senior year. <clears throat> Excuse me. My whole senior year, I was trying to, like, open my hip up. It just kind of felt stuck. But I didn't think, you know, I didn't know what the hell an F FAI is, a femoral acetabular impingement. I had no idea. I thought, no way, nothing's wrong with my hip. Like, so I found out kind of, like, two years after that my hip was messed up and then ended up having the surgery um, a little bit after that. So, Were you with Italy for three years then, three seasons? I was there for a year and a half. So I played there in 2013 and then went back 13 and I left like in January to have, uh, to have my hip surgery. Then in the first, then 2014, you played the summer league with the bucks too, right? Yeah. So that's when I had hip surgery in you know, February. Um, and I, you know, hip surgery is weird. Cause like your core, you can come back and like, I mean, you can really try and come back in like three months realistically you're supposed to come back in like seven to eight like i had the same uh thing that isaiah thomas had little isaiah thomas okay um, and uh, i tried to rush back so i tried to be ready for summer league in july so i came back was working out in like three and a half four months but you know it was i just i really couldn't move at all so i went summer league with the bucks I, whatever did okay um and then after that kept rehabbing and went to israel that year um but yeah, I just I just wasn't wasn't quite right. Like I knew it's it's a it's a tough surgery to recover from, especially as a small guard, because it affects your you know your side to side movement, your balance. Which for me, my whole game is predicated on like you know I can get someone on my hip, and I'm not going to create a ton of space, but I create enough to maybe knock you off balance and, and make a shot when I have my balance. So for me, it was just a really hard injury to to recover from and kind of find my game from. You still played really well out there though in Israel. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in Israel, I played. Yeah, Israel, I had a good year. It was yeah. it was a little long. I had uh, I had uh, like eight months to recover at that point. So yeah. I went to Israel, had a good year, um, and then uh, you know after that, <clears throat> Alba Berlin uh, really wanted me, and they were Euroleague at the time. They were supposed to be Euroleague when I signed. Um, they ended up losing the way it works in Europe. You have to win for qualification, and they ended up losing in the semifinals of their playoffs. Where if they would have gone to the championship. Um, they would have been EuroLeague team, so we ended up being Euro Cup that year, which is still cool. I mean, it's still pretty high level. Um, and you won. For you won that year. Didn't you win the we German won. Cup that year? Uh, oh, we won the German Cup. Yeah, we yeah. won the German Cup. Finally, we won the German Cup. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, uh, yeah. That was a, that was fun. We won the German Cup in Munich, and uh, we had a crazy, we had a crazy Serbian coach. This dude, after we won the German Cup, the dude, uh, you know, the whole team celebrating, the whole organization, we get back to Berlin, and celebrating in this little bar, rented out. And uh, our coach is out there taking shots with us. Next morning at practice, he's like, oh, oh, you guys go out and drink all night. Huh? Now you run. <laughs> what? <laughs> he, was, he was right with us. Also, he's probably like the second best coach I've ever played for um, in terms of like X's and O's and all that. 
Uh, he really knew the game, so I enjoyed playing. But he was just crazy. Like he would go sit in the corner in the middle of practice and put his hands in his face, like he would just smile. Everybody on our team was just so terrible sometimes. Like he just panic. And that's <laughs> that's all European coaching. They just they panic so much. So. Well, the uh, the other funny thing that I like bringing up because most people who play overseas. They love to tell you it's the greatest thing ever. It's so awesome. They try to paint this picture. But knowing you more than most people know you, I've at least gotten that idea of you're like, man, I just want to be home and be around my people, and I get sick of this. And it, it, it was always crazy to me because at the time, you're the first person that's ever even told me that. So I want you to yeah. kind of give that dynamic of you've always <laughs> kept it real about anything, any conversation I've ever had with you. you yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was um, it was a struggle at first for me, like going over there, because obviously I wanted to be in the NBA my first year in Italy, and I was like, I got there, and no lie, I I think I got there in August, and by October, I I hated I was in Rome, so I had a choice. I could go to um, Podgorica, Montenegro, which I'm sure neither one of you know where the hell that is. You know, what I'm saying I had no idea where it was. Like, my art, my agent, BJ Armstrong, and I turned down probably, like, $100,000 to go to Rome because I was like, I don't know where the fuck that is. I'm not going there. No, hell no. So he came back with Rome. I was like, all right, Rome, you know, that sounds good. Everybody knows Rome. This is some visitors, blah, blah, blah. Cool, let's go to Rome. So I go to Rome, and I get there, and we're in this little apartment, probably the worst apartment that I've had overseas, hands down. And I'm thinking this is how it is. My vets are telling me, like, no, nah, this is bullshit. It's not how it is everywhere in Europe. I'm like, well, you're not – I was 22, and you know me, Kyle. I'm stubborn as hell. You're not telling me any different. Like, no, nah, it's – no, no. This is how it is everywhere. I'm going home. So October rolls around. <laughs> like, I'm not listening to I'm over there. I, I'm texting Jared Berger, and like, man, I don't belong here. I should be in the league, like, yada, yada, yada. And I come – so October rolls around. And I just snapped. Like, I was miserable. I was like, nah, fuck this. I pack all my bags. I go to the airport. I'm at the airport about to just buy a ticket, like in a movie, no lie. Like, credit card out. Like, yo, give me your first flight to the States. I don't give a damn where it. I just need to get out of here. So my dad calls me, and I have, I was texting my mom. My dad called me. He's like, what are you doing? And I was like, nothing. And I was like, what? He's like, what are you doing? I was like, nothing. I'm about to go home. So I'm he's like, go home where? I was like, to the States. He was like, Jordan, if you don't take your ass back to, to your apartment. I took a cab. I left all my shit in the apartment except my clothes. Like, I was ready to go. And my dad kind of talked me off the ledge. He was like, nah, you need to stay, like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, all right. So he told me and I stayed. Um, and the, the season still, it was a struggle. He came to see me to kind of, you know, help me out. And I had some other friends like Torres Tillman. My brother came. Tommy Hannon came out to see me, which is really helpful when you're overseas, you know. Like, overseas people just kind of, like, I don't want to say forget about you, but people assume it's just like, oh, you're playing basketball and traveling the world. Like, nah, you going to practice and you dealing with some emotional-ass uh, European coaches that act like women sometimes. Like, if you don't do what they say, they act like you're cheating on them, like we in a relationship. And I'm just like, damn, like, relax. Like, it's just basketball. Like, I got to chill out. So the, my first year for sure was an extremely like humbling experience for the reason that, you know, I, I realized that there's a lot of good basketball players and, you know, overseas, there's a lot of high level players overseas that could be in the NBA that, you know, feel the same way as me. Like when I first got over there, I was like, damn, why me? Like why did this happen to me? And I realized real quick that everybody got a story. So I really grew up a lot that year. 
but it was still a struggle. You know, like I said, we ended up going to the finals and the season. Part of the reason it's tough is because you go in August. And at the time, if you go to the finals, you come back in June. So I went August 22nd. I was there till June 27th. And for me, it's like 10 months. I got a group chat. All my friends are going out partying. You know, everybody got a little money now. Just out of college. You know, I'm getting pictures and group texts and blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, man, fuck all this. <laughs> so, so anyway, so that was that was the hardest part. Like, I had my bag packed in completely packed, set by the door on March 18th that year because the regular season ends on May 4th. And I'm like, all right, I got less than less than two months, six weeks. Like, my bags are packed. So when this season's over, I'm out of here. Like, I knew we was going to the playoffs, but we ended up going to June 27th. And I was, my bags were packed for three months just sitting there. I was over there wearing the same outfit for three months because I didn't want to unpack my bag. Like, I had three a pair of jeans to go out in and my first year overseas was wild like it was like there, we had so many characters on that team I had one of my teammates we played in the semifinals against this team Cantu Cantu historically is really good home court advantage seven game series um, we were the higher seed but we lost game five at home so we got to go to their place game six and we're down by like uh, we got to go to their place game six. And before the game, everybody expects us to lose. And my teammate, he's got a daughter. He's on the computer in the hotel before the game. Hey, hey I'm going to be home on Tuesday. You know, we're about to lose. <laughs> so it wasn't just me. He's like 29 years old. He's like, I'm going to be home on Tuesday. He's calling all his people. I'm right next to him, like, texting shit. Let me start texting my folks. Like, hey, what's good? <laughs> it's over. Like, I didn't know. So we go play. We're down nine going into the fourth quarter. I get a little hot. I hit like six in a row. And my the teammate that was texting or calling everybody is on the bench at the time. I hit like six in a row. Then our my uh, my vet guard, two-man, he gets real hot. And he and we come back. We're up by three with or two with like maybe 10 seconds left. And he has we drop a play for him. He scores. And I'll never forget. I come back. They call timeout. There's five seconds left. We're at four. Game's over. I'm walking back to the bench. Everybody, like, all the Italians hype because our team, you know, my team was uh, the team that Brandon Jennings played for. They were EuroLeague. They're a big-time team, and they dropped down a little bit. So then we, they're like, damn, we got a chance to go to the finals. I'm walking back over, and my teammate that was texting everybody over there, like, he's the only one. Everybody else hype. He's like, <laughs> overseas in a nutshell it's just that the season is so long and it's so drawn out yeah. and on top of that we played 30 games in 10 months like we played one game a week um so it, it's just a lot man if they shorten the season it would be easier um but the older i've gotten you know i've grown to appreciate it um it's 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 it's, it's different but you know it's it's a good experience i can't lie i wish the season was shorter I wish, uh, you know, they did things a little differently over there. But at the end of the day, you know, as you grow and mature, you're like, you're getting paid to play basketball for a living. So I don't want to take that for granted. But it is, it's tough sometimes, man. You know, sometimes you get texts from people just checking on you, and that means the world. 
um, you're just like, damn, yeah, I appreciate it because obviously you're not in the NBA, but like this year we played EuroLeague and we played like an NBA schedule. We played a game like every four days. So it was, it was a little different and easier because you're just always on the go. You know, we were in Barcelona one day and then we're back in Lyon and then we're going to a city in France and then we're coming back playing home and then we're going to Madrid. So it was, this year was probably the most enjoyable in terms of, uh, in terms of like the style. Plus being healthy. Plus right. being healthy for the most part. Yeah. Right as hell, but you know, right now I'm 30, so I'm just faking it. I'm tricking these people. <laughs> but it was some of my favorite stories that we, I mean, we joke about in the groups and all that. But uh, when we'd be talking during all this time, I remember we'd be at Johnny's, maybe pregame, maybe not even really go out playing some video games or something. You'd be wanting to FaceTime, be like, hey, just, just prop me up over there so I could be in there. Here, <laughs> <laughs> I swear, you feel like sometimes you feel lame, but I'm appreciative because my friends are so like I don't even know I don't even know if they know what they're doing, but like I'll call Tommy or 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 no or loans, and I'll be like, "Yo, prop the phone up," and I'm like just watching the game with them through Facetime, and they know me, you know, my ass is probably yelling, talking shit, and they probably like, "Man, shut your ass up, Joe." But I, you know, I appreciate. I'm just like, damn, this I needed that. So it's uh, like little stuff like that definitely make the experience better and, and help you get through, but. You know, I can also say, too, that every team I've played on, I've, gr- I've gotten, a, you know, a friend for life from overseas, too, for literally every team I've played on. So I'm thankful for that. And uh, to the, like this year, David Lighty's become one of my good friends from, from Ohio State. And, you know, we actually were talking about that OSU game. Sometimes I talk shit. And, you know. Um, <laughs> you always shit. talk shit. Always. I, you, know, you know me. I don't stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I knew I knew you were lonely because at the time I was going back and forth. I think I just saw Oos, and this was like the beginning of our relationship, maybe knowing each other for a couple years. And you knew I was going out there. And you're like, "Well, come on out here," and I'm like, "This man's messing with me. He's not serious." Because I think it was right after Tommy and TT just went out. And I'm like, "Bro, are you serious?" And you're like, "Come, come on out." And I was like, "Man, I'm hitting up loads of like another text, like, dude, is this man for real right now?" <laughs> Yeah. Like, pull up. I tell anybody, anytime they want to come out, pull up. Like John Lure, you know, he's got money for days, so he just pulled up. Uh, we played Nick Calathis this year, and John pulled up for the game, just hopped on a flight, came for like two, three days. And uh, so, you know, I love that. Like, it's just having people out there. And that's what I actually – I like having them out there because showing them kind of like a different side of overseas. You know, I feel like most people go over there, they're like traveling to go sightseeing. I'm not doing none of that. You want to go sightseeing when you see me, you do it on your own time. Like we, go, we might go out a little bit. We're going to go to some restaurants, but I'm not going to see no damn Coliseum. I went to go see the Coliseum a hundred times my first year. And I told people, you come and see me, you do that shit on your own. I'm not going back. Fuck all that. <laughs> this is y'all's vacation. You live here. This is <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the hard thing. Like, I had a couple cousins come, and they're, you know, they're girls, so they want to go see her. I have to, like, explain it to them, like, I'm not on vacation. Like, this is my job. <laughs> like, I don't got time to be waking up to go. Like, I'm not doing that shit. I'm sleeping. Like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's all you're going to get from me. Some sleep, maybe some wine, and a good time. So, well, I also want yeah. to talk about uh, what you got your hands in outside of basketball. I know you do a yeah. lot with the VR and tell everybody else what you're doing with your time. and You know what I mean? You're just one of the most interesting people I know. So I, de- I definitely want to show people a different side of you. Appreciate that, man. Yeah, I, I talk a lot. I don't know about interesting. I definitely no, you're interesting talk. as hell, Jordan. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I, I have, uh, I'm a part of two VR companies. Um, 
I co-founded one. Um, I, I really love the, um, the entrepreneurial um, stuff. I like the idea of kind of, you know, with basketball, the nice thing about playing is you kind of, you can level up very quickly. You know what I mean? Like each year is kind of a year to prove yourself. So each game is a get like, whereas, I don't know, I could be wrong, but like, you know, at a job, you're stuck in a salary. Maybe you'll get a little raise or something like that. From my understanding, I've never really been in that world. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just the level up is a lot quicker. So in entrepreneurial endeavors, I like the fact that you're just kind of controlling your own destiny. You're taking advantage. You know, you're in charge of what you're doing. Um, so I got involved with two VR companies. One's called Slingshot VR, which is uh, pretty much we do analytical. We, we use a, a VR engine for, for training and, uh, and, and distance learning to gather big data and stuff like that, which is you know, a lot of what goes on, especially in sports now. Everybody's into the analytics and gathering all the data. So we do sports training, public sector training, um, all type of stuff, distance learning. And then the other one is kind of, it takes, uh, it uses VR to break down those analytics um, and, and make it easier for people to, to learn the data, retain the data, and, uh, and just kind of spread it as well. So uh, yeah, VR is kind of a, it's still a nascent industry, um, it's grown. I've learned a lot about it. I did honestly, when I got into it, it's one of those things where my, the manager at Wisconsin who became one of my good friends he was like, man, I got this idea, like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I was in Germany at the time, and I was just like, shit, I ain't doing nothing. I, you know, I go to practice. I read sometimes. I watch a lot of Sons of Anarchy. But uh, <laughs> so I, ain't, I ain't doing shit. So I was like, let me see. Uh, like, we should make a business plan. Or, you know, I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. Like, make a business plan, and we'll, we'll take it to people and see what we could do. So we started doing that. And, you know, it's grown slowly. Um, but we've been around for four years now, that one. And then I got involved with another one. The other one I got involved with maybe this past year, and you know, Mark Cuban's involved with that one. And there's been a lot of growth, and they're they're doing pretty well in terms of you know monthly recurring revenue and, and bringing in new investors and all that. So hopefully, this uh, this coronavirus doesn't stop. Uh, this coronavirus doesn't hinder any of that too too much. But uh, yeah, I really, and I really like technology. What do you say? Also, I was just saying, well, with people like uh, now. Obviously, we're doing a Zoom meeting and stuff like that where they're more in the VR world. Does that kind of increase the demand for, for your companies that you're working with? Um, so, no, our, our, uh, our companies are more business-to-business, business, so they're not consumer-based products. But uh, the, the first one, Slingshot VR, is, is one of those things where I think it's kind of ahead of its time in a way that, that you know, right now it's not proven still kind of a developmental types in a developmental type stage where it could be if we get someone to, to buy into it really and, and believe in it and help us develop it even more, it would be huge for a situation like this, you know, distance learning and being able to, you know, be present with someone. Well, not actually, well, just being in your home rather than just looking at a computer screen. And I think it would just, you know, allow economies to flow, uh, flow uh, even in situations like this. So uh, that, that's kind of how we see it. We're trying to sell people on that. I'm sure Kyle knows you're in sales. That's, you know, you have an idea. The hardest thing to do is, is sell it and, and get people to believe in it. So especially something like that, because it's, it's honestly not to sound like you know, one of those people that thinks they have the best idea ever, but it is something that's really not around in terms of, uh, uh, in terms of a, like a tech or uh, something that we have for a consumer-based uh option right now so i mean if you pretty much imagine you can just imagine a room and like if you're 
Des Bryant, or that's probably outdated reference. Des Bryant can train in this room with nobody else in it, and you can simulate having like Darrell Revis guard him, and you can, you know, stuff like that without having anybody else around. Just putting that he can, you know, track your track your uh, uh, biometric data, like your heart rate, pulse, uh, all that, all at one time. It's just, it's really cool stuff. So I'm not a tech guy. I'm more of a, <laughs> I'm more of a, a, a what's it called? Development guy in terms of uh, resources, but it's trying to use my network to, to help them build that in any way they can. Yeah. So um, you would have to have our, our CTO, this dude, Scott, he's kind of like a, a beautiful mind type person. <laughs> he talks to me and I'm not annoyed. He actually makes fun of me all time because he's talks to me, he looks in my face and I'm just kind of like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> sounds he's got to take it down for me. So, but honestly, it's been really fun getting outside of basketball, just learning new things and trying to, um, you know, trying to expand and, and transition and get ready to transition. And then, you know, I'm also thinking about, you know, going into public speaking as well. So I'm trying to, trying to work on my storytelling. So if you guys got feedback for me anytime, please, please give it to me. <laughs> I, th I think you got it, man. I, I think that'd be a really good avenue for you to get into. And I'm, I'm super excited about the virtual reality stuff too, because that's just super cool. Um, I want to bring up too, how you were just talking about in your free time, you'd be reading. And I know you were ripping on your dad for being a nerd, but you're a nerd. You're a book nerd. Yeah. You, you, you read all the Harry Potters and I mean, I, I, I'm a, go ahead. Yeah. I'm, I'm a I'm a nerd that tries to fight it. Oh, you know what I'm saying I, fight it. I never, never got that gene from my dad. I read every Harry Potter book front to back, seen every movie twice. Um, I'm actually uh, what's crazy is you know how your view of yourself is generally not accurate, <laughs> and I I actually <laughs> I catch myself. I'm that guy where someone says you know well yeah last March I'm like, well actually it was February. And, you know, it was like, <laughs> it doesn't sound like that to me, but I'm that guy for sure. Like, I, I catch myself sometimes. I'm like, you know, shut your dumb ass up, man. <laughs> Not that serious. So, my, yeah, I'm a nerd. One of my other uh, favorite stories, um, you're a pretty darn good Madden player. Probably one of the best I've ever been around. And as <laughs> I recall, after a uh, long night on the town, you took a dude to a place. And you whoop some ass, 70 to 24, about 5 a.m. in the morning, and then just started screaming, it's mine, buddy, and I want it now. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, that was, uh, you talking about Foley? I didn't know if you could put him on blast or not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, shit, I don't, I mean, say too much. Actually, he beat me, though. I Did don't even remember. I was drunk as hell. I was, <laughs> I was drunk. And I, uh, remember, were you there? No, I, I just, I've there. heard the story so many times. Yeah, so we were in Uptown, and we went back to Foley's place, and my drunk ass, I was playing, he had this Randy Moss signed Vikings helmet, and there's a picture, I can't remember if I deleted the picture on Instagram or what, but I, I'm playing this dude in Madden with a Randy Moss helmet on that does not fit my head, and I look, I look like, like radio, like I'm just looking crazy, playing this dude in Madden, and he ends up beating me, and I was talking cash shit, like I was like, man, I'm gonna bust your ass, like we played, we played for a little bit of money. I'm going to bust your ass out. And he ended up beating me on, like, a last-second field goal. And I was tight. Because, you know, when I lose, I'll be start, I start talking even more shit. I'm like, you going to kick a field goal to win? Really? And he's on, like, the 30-yard line. Like, obviously, he would kick a field goal to win. I'm and like, he's a kicker. 
And he's a kicker, yeah. so he knows he's kicking field goal. I'm over here drunk as hell trying to talk this man into throwing a Hail Mary for the game in three seconds instead of kicking a field goal. Obviously, like, calling him a bitch, calling him all type of <laughs> not good. Like, obviously, he kicks the field goal. He wins. I'm so mad. I left. I can't remember if I slept there or left or whatever. Either way, I'm texting this dude all day. Like, nah, we playing Madden again. We playing for I think we might play for like 50 or 100, and we playing for two. It was double whatever I lost for sure. And I'm like, nah, we playing all day. So finally I go back over there the next day, and I'm sober. And I bust his ass. Like, I, I was talking shit. Like, he was, at one point, I think he tried to quit the game. I was like, nah, don't quit. We're going to finish this. <laughs> I, was, I think I was up like 40 to 30, whatever. And I'm like, nah, we're going to. So I ended up, and he's got a balcony in the middle of uptown, and I'm running outside like that J.G. Wetworth commercial. Like, it's my money, and I need it now. <laughs> Yelling all this shit. And I know they fully looking at me like this dickhead. I didn't even ask for this. Like, I low key thought I low, felt like I bullied him into a Madden game. <laughs> you probably like, did, which you did. Uh, most, likely, most likely, I did. Yeah, but, <laughs> but yeah, I was talking was crazy. It? And then, like after that, so but, yeah, I'm all right. Matter of fact, I was playing Titus the other day uh, in Madden. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I don't play. I don't play video games like I used to. But I used to be my my record was not. It's a random story. My my same thing happened to my brother. I played him on my brother's seven years older than me, and I played him on Christmas, and he beat me. He, my only time he's ever beat me in Madden, and he's going out with his he's going out with his friends that night. And I'm like, no, don't go out. Like same thing, trying to make him stay so we could play again. He's like, no, I'm going out. He beat me. I woke up the next day. I woke his ass up at seven a.m. Got him out of bed. Like forced him to get out of bed. <laughs> my like, Mom, Brandon won't get out of bed. Like, you know, so, man, like, I like, played this dude in Madden and beat him 70 to 6. With, that was back when they had the, the Falcons fit that you could run all over the place. That's, I, was, yeah, I couldn't have been 13. Same personality, still talking shit as I'm beating his ass, like making him finish the game. Like, like, like yeah, so, yeah, I'm a, I'm a dickhead sometimes for sure. <laughs> Was, uh, was was that Foley's house when he had like that waterfall in the house? Um, I don't remember all that. I don't, I don't think so. Foley has the most tricked out house I ever been to. Like right out of college, dude had a waterfall coming through his living room. It was the craziest shit I ever seen. Running did, water, did, bro. It was it was a nice apartment. I don't remember the waterfall, but it was. I was honestly, I was locked in on the magnet. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, man, we appreciate you taking the time out of your day to hang out with us and talk with us and tell us your story, and we'd love to have you back whenever you want to come back, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Make sure, hey, man, make sure you keep that assist-to-turnover ratio up overseas. <laughs> man, fuck that. Fuck that. I'm changing. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get to China so I can shake all that. I'm shooting 40 times a game. Eight for 40. <laughs> all that. 37 points. But no, I appreciate y'all having me, man. It's good talking to y'all.